0: Welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, we begin a new sermon series called Not In There, Things You Think the Bible Says, But It Doesn't. Today, Pastor David takes a look at Everything Happens for a Reason. Let's listen. Today, we're starting a brand new preaching series. You can see the, the title of it up here. It's the title, Not In There. And then the, the subtitle really explains it. Things you think the Bible says, but it doesn't. And we all have things that we think, oh yeah, that's in there somewhere, right? Because the Bible is an expansive book, and there is so much in there. And so from time to time, we pick up things along the way that we just assume, oh yeah, that's in there somewhere. And we're going to study some of what I think are the most common phrases that are not actually in the Bible. So you can see the phrases, we've put them up uh, to the right of you all, and today, the, the top left is what we'll study. Everything happens for a reason. I know you've heard that before. You may have even said that before, but that's not actually a statement in the Bible. So our question will be, but is it true? Is it true that everything happens for a reason? Now, my guess is you probably heard this said after something bad has happened. It's something bad happens in a person's life and and we don't know what to say. We don't know how to, to help. And so we try to reassure the person by simply saying, Well, everything happens for a reason. And that comes from an empathetic place, I think, but is it accurate? And is that actually helpful? In that moment, depending on what that person is going through, that's what we need to study today. So we begin by asking, what does the Bible say about why things happen? And the first term, when you begin to study this, okay, why do things happen in this world as they do? The first term that you will come across is sovereign. We believe that God is sovereign. Now, what does that mean? That means that God is in control. Every time you see sovereign in the Bible or used in reference to God, what that means is God is in control. And that's what we believe as Christians. We believe that God is in control of everything. That God is all-powerful, all-wise, all-knowledgeable. Nothing happens in this world that surprises God. God is completely in control. God is completely sovereign. Now, the leap, though, that some of us take from that point is we say, okay, because God is sovereign, because God is in control, then then everything must happen for a reason based on God's sovereign plans. That sounds good, but I I don't actually want us to make that leap. I want us to be able to say, yes, God is in control— But not to then say, and so everything that happens, happens according to what God intends or wants. Because that gets really dangerous really fast when we say that. I mean, what what happens when a child gets diagnosed with cancer? I mean, do we look at that family and say, but everything happens for a reason? Or that that's somehow a part of God's plans? Or what about when a hurricane destroys a town? Do we say what that's a part of God's plan, or that happened for a reason. I think it gets really dangerous really quick, and we can lose our Christian witness, or at least our credibility, in those tough times. I was talking with one of my friends last week who lives in Tampa, and as you know, the the storm, Hurricane Ian, was supposed to hit Tampa directly. That's where, for a week prior, it looked, it's heading directly to Tampa, and then at the last second, it went south. It avoided Tampa. Uh, His house uh, was spared. He's okay. But he expressed some frustration when he was talking with some friends at church. And the the term they used was blessed. They said, we feel so blessed that the storm didn't hit us. And I understand that feeling. That's, of course, we want to feel thankful to, to God. But he thought, but are those people that the storm hit further south, are they any less blessed by God? And it didn't sit with him very well. I share that illustration just to share how how complex this issue is. When we try to understand what is in God's control and where is God then allowing our freedom to intersect with that control. And so this is what we're going to study today. And I believe that God is sovereign, but that we need to look into the Bible for how that sovereignty really works itself out. And so I've picked a narrative today, a story, because I think a story illustrates best how this works in our world in practicality. So the story is one that many of you are familiar with, and so we're we're not going to get too in-depth in the minutia. We're going to hit the highlights. It's the story of Joseph. And I I bet you know a little bit about Joseph. It starts in Genesis chapter 37. And Joseph had a lot of brothers. And his brothers uh, knew that Joseph was his father's favorite. They knew that because the father made sure everybody knew that. He would give Joseph the, the robe with many colors. He would adorn him with gifts that the other brothers did not get. Yes, the father's favoritism was heaped off of the one son, Joseph. Well, how do you imagine that Joseph's brothers felt? They were so angry. I think they were probably hurt by the father's favoritism. And they were angry with their brother. And and to make matters worse, Joseph began having dreams. And in his dreams, he was actually uh, in charge over his brother's. He was king over his brothers. And then he would tell his brothers about his dreams, which I don't recommend. <laughs> if you're in that sort of situation and you have dreams that you're an authority over your brothers, just keep it to yourself. That's it's not something to share. But he did. He shared. And their anger and, and their jealousy then just continued to grow to the point where one time all the brothers were out working in a field. And they saw Joseph approaching. And Joseph is wearing his multicolored robe, which was a symbol of his father's favoritism of him over the brothers. And they decide to take action. Here's where we pick up our story today in Genesis chapter 37, verse 19. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him then we'll see what comes of his dreams so the brothers planned murder they planned to kill their younger brother because of their own jealousy and their own rage thankfully one of the brothers interceded reuben reuben said listen he's our own flesh and blood we we can't do this we can't kill our brother and so they arrived at some sort of middle ground. They said, okay, we'll just, we'll beat him up within, within an inch of his life. That's the middle ground. And that's what they did. They beat him up and then they throw him into a cistern, basically a pit in the ground. And then opportunity arises where they see these traders coming from another country. And they think to themselves, oh, we can sell him to slavery. And so that's what they do. So they sell Joseph into slavery, and he is sold uh, into the country of Egypt. Now, if you're interested in in how that story develops, you can read about it from Genesis chapters 37 through 50. It's an expansive story in the Bible. It's a really interesting one. But I want to skip forward to the end, because I think that's where we see God's sovereignty in play. Because you know, Joseph had to be wondering, okay, why did this happen to me? Does God have a plan or a purpose in this? If everything happens for a reason, then is that, you know, then what is the reason that my brothers tried to kill me and sold me off into slavery? Well, if you read his story, then over time, he actually grows through the, the years and decades up to second in command in all of Egypt, second to Pharaoh. And he has a dream. A dream that a famine is going to come and it's going to last for seven years. And because of that dream, he's able to get the people of Egypt to plan ahead and to save more food for when that famine comes. At the very end of the story, the famine hits and it is a famine that decimates the region. There's not enough food to go around, so much so that Joseph's brothers have to leave their country because they hear, ah, there's some food in Egypt, so maybe we can get some food there. They come face to face with Joseph. This is after decades of not seeing one another. This is after they left him for dead and sold him into slavery. So if you were Joseph, imagine the rage you would feel at seeing your brothers and feeling that they are directly responsible for the the track that your life took. So what would you say to your brothers if you got the opportunity? I mean, they're standing in front of you. They are powerless because you're now the one in charge. And so what we find in our scripture is is that Joseph looks them in the eye and Joseph says to them, everything happens for a reason that's okay. No, wait, that's not at all what Joseph says, is it? No, Joseph doesn't say that as he looks back on his life and all that happened. Instead, Joseph makes a comment that I think is profoundly helpful in understanding God's sovereignty. Here's what Joseph said to them. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? So once again, he's pointing to God's control of the world. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives, which is what was happening through the famine. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke to them kindly. All right, there's two things I want to highlight there from just that beautiful statement. The first is that Joseph doesn't gloss over his his brother's motivation. He says quite plainly, you intended to harm me. And that's exactly what they intended to do. So he doesn't try to scrape that under the rug or explain away their behavior. He says, no, you intended evil in my life. But then he also says, but God intended it for good. What's happening here is we have dual purposes— that are playing out in the world. We've got the one purpose, which is the brother's purpose. It's the evil purpose. They intended to harm Joseph. That was their purpose. But the dual purpose is that God is also at work. And where they intended harm, God was going to use that for something good. I believe that's that's a good explanation of God's sovereignty and control in our world where bad things will happen. All of us are going to go through those experiences of life where you say, why is this happening to me? This is so hard. I I don't want to be going through this. And what we see in these scriptures is that God is willing to use everything to bring about something good. Now notice what I didn't say. I didn't say that God is causing everything. Right? I'm not saying, oh, God wanted Joseph to go through all of that, to get beat up by his brothers and thrown into a well. I don't think that was God's master plan for Joseph. But God gives us freedom, abundant freedom. And in that freedom, we sometimes hurt one another, sometimes severely. And that's what you see in this story. The brothers use their freedom to hurt and almost kill Joseph. But God was still at work even in that freedom. And God said, that's okay. I'm going to use your poor choices, and I'm still going to bring something good. That is my belief of how God's sovereignty works in this world. God's in control, but God allows us our freedom. And yet, even in that freedom, God is always working for good. So I want you guys to think, what is one of the hard experiences of your life right now? What's one of your experiences where you're saying, I don't know why this is happening? What I think you can say is that God's not causing that, but God is going to use something in that to bring about something good. And so maybe we can move away from the phrase, everything happens for a reason, and instead move to the phrase, God will use everything that happens. I think that's more theologically correct. This idea of God's control in the world, it's not just found here in Genesis, but it's all the way through Scripture. You'll see it popping up from place to place. Uh, One example in the New Testament is, uh, is the book of Romans, where Paul says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose in all things, God is working for good. That's what we see in Joseph's story. God worked for good even in the most challenging moment of his life. Even when he thought, I might be killed here by my brothers who now hate me, God still took that situation and said, I'm going to work for good in this situation. So therefore, when we go through our hard times, when we go through our periods of pain, my encouragement for you is try to find the good. Now, I don't mean that to say, look at your situation with rose-colored glasses. Because I don't think that's helpful either. We're not naive walking into this world. But I do think it's helpful to say, where's the good in this situation? Because as you see the good, I think you'll see God at work. It's not just Romans that says in all things, God is working for good. We see this in the Psalms too. Psalm 33 is is a beautiful picture when it says, the plans of the Lord stand firm forever and the purposes of his heart through all generations. When you think of God's plans and purposes, what I don't want you to think of is this idea that, okay, everything you do is mapped out. Every decision you make every action you take, all of that is mapped out in God's master plan. Like with my master plan, it would be, okay, David, you're going to wake up at this time, and then you're going to walk the dog, and you're going to have oatmeal for breakfast. That's not what we're talking about when the psalmist speaks of God's plans. So what do we mean when we see in the scriptures them speaking about God's plans? Well, I think what we mean is exactly what happened in Joseph's story. When he says, hey, you intended this for harm, but God used it for good, that was God's plan for Joseph's life, to use that for good. You see, God is going to use all the experiences that you go through, even the evil ones, to create something good in your life. Those are God's plans. And what are the purposes of God's heart? I think that's exactly what Paul said in Romans, that God is going to use all things for your good. I think that's the purpose of God's heart. Now here's where we're going to take this full circle. If we believe that God is using all things, even the hard things, for my good, to create something good in the world, then I think if you take that to its logical conclusion— What that says is that, well, God wants to work through people to bring about that good. And particularly, I would say I think God wants to work through Christians who are seeking God's guidance in this world, who are trying to be aware of where God's Spirit is at work in us. I think God wants to use us to bring about some of that goodness within those challenging times. Let me give you a really simple illustration. I was at the Charlotte airport a couple of weeks ago. I was picking up my wife from a trip, and it was the busiest I had ever seen it. They're doing a lot of construction, and they had closed off the departures, and they said, everyone go to arrivals. And because of that, because everyone was going the same way, just the the line of cars was backed all the way out of the airport. But luckily, I got there early because I wanted to help uh, Sarah with the bags. And so I I parked and I got into the baggage claim, which again, there were just people all over the place. And I got the escalators behind me and I'm watching for the bags and waiting for Sarah. And then I hear some commotion behind me. And I I turn around and I notice that a woman had fallen on the escalator. And she was on her back and she was grabbing at the escalator And it was still moving her up. And it took me a second to realize, okay, what's happening? And I took one step to go help. I thought, I got to help in some way. But already, even in that one step, six people who were closer than I was bounded into action. It was so neat to see. Several of them got up onto the escalator and were trying to help her up even as it was moving. Others were trying to find the button to push, to stop the whole escalator. And still others were looking for someone in charge to say, hey, this is happening, we need someone to help. It was really amazing to see, because normally in an airport, I feel like people are kind of out for themselves. You're you're kind of like, "I've, I've got my, where I need to go, I've got my bags, I'm tired of being here, I need to get home. But it was immediate how quickly people wanted to help. And I think things like that are happening all of the time in our world. Many times we're not aware of it. And what I think that that shows is that God is working through people all the time, whether or not they are even aware that God is working through them, that God is bringing goodness into our world all of the time. And so we would look at that situation and the most unhelpful thing, like if she actually got injured, it would be very unfortunate to say, yeah, but everything happens for a reason. That wouldn't be a help to her in that moment. But instead, it was neat to say, but here's all these people who are seeking to help you in the moment when you need it most. So I was inspired by that, and I continued to to wait in baggage claim and and uh, watch for my wife to come with her bags and And then I noticed that they shut down the escalator. Uh, I took a picture of it because I thought that's not going to end well. They, They shut down the escalator and the stairs were right next to it. And in this part of the airport, elevators were not anywhere close. So what I watched over those next 10 minutes was people with their very heavy bags going to the escalator, realizing that it was now shut off, having a big sigh, and then picking their bags up and having to carry them up the stairs. And these were like the two flights, you know, way up there to get to the next floor. I saw this happen over and over again. But then once I looked back, and I saw an older woman, and she was standing there with a very heavy bag by her side, and she's looking up, and her face just looked downcast. And I thought, oh, she's not going to be able to make it and she may not know this airport well enough to know where are the elevators. And I thought, oh, well, here's a moment that I can spring into action. I saw all these other people helping, like this is a moment that I can help in a very small way. And so I ran over there and I said, excuse me, can I help you carry your bag up the stairs? The smile on her face was just such a genuine, joyful smile. I thought, I'm gonna remember that a long time. And so I carried it up. We said goodbye, and I I thought, this, this is a very small example of what I think God wants in the world, of Christians looking for opportunities to say, how can I help? How can God work through me? What are the challenges that I see in this world where I think God wants me to do something about it? And so I encourage you to ask that question today. Who do you know that's going through a hard time right now? Can you make a phone call? Can you visit someone in the hospital? Can you allow God to work through you in some way to bring about something good? That really is what we learn through Joseph's story, through the Psalms, and through Romans. That no, we're not going to say everything happens for a reason because that's too superficial. But what we will say is that God is sovereign and that God will use everything for our good. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church podcast. Have a great week.